A very good morning to you. It's 9.30. It's Monday the 1st of June. This, bloggers, is radioblogging.net. Welcome to Radio Blogging, daily shows with interactive activities to keep everyone busy and engaged. Brought to you by Pi Corbett, David Mitchell, Ian Rocky, and Russell Prue. Just listen and blog. It's live, fun, and interactive. And with new educational tasks every day, just head over to radioblogging.net to listen and find out more. Oh, welcome back. I hope you had a fabulous week last week. Of course, it was half-term holiday. And if you listened to Radio Blogging Holiday Club, thank you so much for listening and getting involved. We are back from our break. We are back from our holiday. The gang are here this morning. Good morning, Deputy Mitchell. How are you, sir? Good morning, Ian. I'm very well, thank you. Uh, well rested, I must say. And what a sterling job you and Russell did last week. Thank you very much. I think uh, the children really enjoyed it and I tuned in as well myself. But yes, the weather's been fantastic. Managed to get out for a few walks and things like that. So already plugged in, lights are dimmed and ready to go this morning, Ian. <laughs> we we like the fact that the lights are dimmed. It kind of creates some kind of ambiance, doesn't it? Well, talking of lights are dimmed, I wonder if we have the same scenario over in the household of the main man himself. We're going to start the day as we always do with a slice of pie. Start the day with a slice of pie. This is radioblogging.net. Good morning, Dr. Dr. Corbett. How are you today? <laughs> I'm very well. I've been looking forward to this morning, actually. I sort of rather missed last week. I had a, a very good rest up, which I, uh, I needed, but I was listening in. Uh, and of course, I did a little bit on each of the shows, which was great, great Indeed. fun. Really happy to be back, though. And welcome to all the listeners who are new to radio blogging. Uh, you need to be at the very top of the page. You need to be clicked on today's uh, show. And it's Cressida Monday. And as we go through the show, we'll talk you through how you access the different uh, um, activities. But yes, um, uh, Ian, um, all is well with us here. Uh, we did go and see the aged aunt. We took the opportunity to do that. Uh, stood at a good distance over the gate, but I did manage to chat with the dogs as well. They were very, very happy, very pleased to see us. They really do get excited. There's nothing quite like a dog, is there? They have they waggy tails and they come up to you? They're always happy. They don't mess you around, dogs, do they? Mm-hmm. They're good pets. Absolutely. Do you, have a, do you have a pet, Ian? Well, it's funny you should say that, Pi, because we've just got a puppy. So yes, oh, we yeah, we have just got a puppy in the in the Rocky household. So I know exactly what you mean there, and she's lovely. She's really really gentle, and uh, yeah, really really fun indeed. So no, I I know exactly what you mean. So I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad all is well in uh, in the Pi Corbett household. But of course, we're going to start as we always do with a couple of games. Creative games. Play and try with Ian and Pie. What have we got on the menu this morning, Pie? Well, um, those of you who've not been with us before, um, as Ian was say, saying, we always start with a couple of games. And the idea is that those of you in school and those of you at home, listen to Ian and I modelling, playing the games, and then we will have a short musical interlude, possibly some shout-outs, while you all play the games. The other big thing to say is that everybody needs a notebook and a pencil 
to be jotting thoughts, ideas, magpieing words. And it's really good if you can keep the same notebook every single time we meet, because over time, then you gather up a massive collection of ideas and language and little bits of writing that you're trying out. And sometimes when you're writing today, you can look back at something you did six weeks ago and think that will be useful. So your your writing notebook is very important. OK, so our first one. I thought, Ian, just to warm ourselves up, we'd do an old alphabet game. Mm. And um, it's it, it, animals is good to do. And the other thing that's pretty simple to do is girls' names or boys' names. What What do you think we should do then, Ian? Ooh, I, should we go for should we go for names? Let's go for names. Names of. Uh, let's go for girls' names. Uh, girls' names. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. This is, this is my poorest category. I'm doomed already. Okay, I'm going to start because I can think of one. Okay. Anne. Uh, Barbara. Catherine. Daphne. Enid. Uh, Felicity. Geraldine. Hermione. Inga. Uh, Jacqueline. Catherine. Um, Loretta. <laughs> Loretta Martin, sweet Loretta Martin, uh, L M, Mavis, uh, N. Oh no, <laughs> no, it wasn't coming. Nora, Nora Batty. Nora, I could have had Nora. I could have had Nora Batty. Indeed. Oh. <laughs> okay, I, I just feel like Bruce Forsyth. Good game. Good, good game. game. Good game. That's a cracking one. We used to play that race actually when. Uh, when I was a teacher, I'd get the children to write the alphabet down the left-hand side of the page, and then we'd have a cat. We'd choose a category like foods. You've got to think of something where there are lots and lots of possibilities. I mean, I'd say, ready, steady, go, and we'd see who could get to filling up the whole page. You can play the game uh, as um, in an I did in pairs, bouncing it backwards and forwards, or do it individually and see if within, a, say, a minute or two minutes, you can complete your category. Okay. Now, today we have Cressida Cowell, and of course it, uh, her books are very much um, dragony or, or um, sprites and wizards, and giants and ogres, all sorts of creative inventions here. So I thought we would do 10 magical things that a sprite can do. You want to start us off here? Oh, why don't we have become invisible by touching their noses? Okay, I've got um, get up early every morning and polish up all the dewdrops on the grass. Oh, lovely. Um, I'm going to say blow a fierce and devastatingly strong wind that can flatten trees. Yeah, because they're quite naughty sprites. They can, they? Yeah, they can be, yeah. They can be tricky, tricky customers. Okay, I'm going to have one. That, um, they, have to, uh, they have to put the explosions into thunder. Oh, I like that. Um, I'm going to say create a magical sparkling rainbow at the flick of their wand. Oh, isn't that funny? Because the next idea I thought was that their job was to keep the colours topped up in the rainbow. Oh, so those two go very nicely together. OK, my next one is one of their jobs is to go around catching nasty sneezes and putting them in a bag. How funny, because my next one was going to be, it's all to do with dust. Sprinkle Sprite dust, causing plants to bloom in the middle of winter. Ah, 
That's interesting, isn't it? My final one is that one of their jobs is to push summer clouds along if they hang about too long blocking up the sun. I love it. And my final one was fly at speed high into the clouds, trailing a golden beam of light behind them. Isn't that weird? Mm. But quite separately, you both thought of sort of similar categories. That's really interesting. OK, folks, in school and at home, it's time now for you to uh, get playing the games. Uh, make notes in your notebook. If you get a good idea, jot it down because you might be able to use it in a story or piece of writing at some point. Uh, Ian, I think it's time for a little bit of a musical interlude Ooh, of some I sort. Definitely think it is pie. Great games, everybody. Before we do, we've got the contact details, of course. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us this morning, emailing radioblogging at gmail.com. You can also go to the contact padlet by going to the contact part at the top of today's show page. And you can also leave us a comment on the show page as well. Plenty of ways of getting in touch and we will be doing some shout outs very shortly. But of course, anyone who listens to radioblogging.net will know that it must be Muppet Monday. Hello, I'm Cressida Cow, and I'm the author and illustrator of the How to Train Your Dragon books and the Wizards of Once series. And I'm the Waterstones Children's Laureate. And you are listening to radioblogging.net. Absolutely. And we are going to be listening to Cressida Cowell reading very shortly. Before we do, we've got a few shout outs for you this morning from the uh, comments page. We've got Jacob from Grange Park. Good morning. Looking forward to the show today. Really like Cressida Cowell and have read some of her books. Uh, good morning also to Sachin, who's joining us again gain as well this morning good morning to joseph who would like a shout out as well thank you so very much indeed do please keep getting in touch with us mrs haig has been in touch as well hello to all the incredible children of long bennington academy don't forget lots of ways to get in touch with us this morning lorraine harrison on the email says welcome back to pine david russell and Ian did a great job in the holiday show thank you so much please give a special shout out to all the year six children and their teachers back at school today absolutely it is a uh, quite an unusual day for a lot of us today going back to school but of course we are here with a fabulous show for you until half past 10 this morning now then taking ourselves on to the next part of the show Pi, what have you got coming up next well um those of you who've not w- been with us before if you scan down it says crescent monday and then there's a small orange box just above the picture of those two um, huge, um, rather scary-looking cats that says Cressida Cowell Response. Now, click on that, and with any luck, something will happen. Yes, a page should open up. I'm watching that little blue line that goes across the top. Okay, now we can see, you should be able to see um, what's called a padlet, and it's a sunset over some magical-looking islands. And this is where we're going to give a response to Cressida after she's done her reading. And I'll just explain how we do that. So, if you've not used a padlet before, you can see in the bottom right-hand corner a pink uh, blob with a plus mark on it. So you just click on that, and up comes what looks like a post-it. Now, it says title. Well, that's where we'd like you to put your name because we do need to know who has posted uh, the different um, comments, thoughts and ideas. So uh, everything, by the way, is read. Everything is double checked before 
uh, it goes up uh, and appears. So nobody can write anything um, that is silly or anything like that. Right. Once you've got your name, then just um, drop the cursor down where it says write something. Click on there. Now I'm ready to give my response. So what we're going to do is we're going to listen to Cressida reading from the first book of the Wizards of Once. So the first chapter um, she's reading and um, during or afterwards, we're going to give a response to her. So we might well write a sentence about what we liked. Sometimes people quote, um, you know, favorite phrase or a line that they thought, oh, I really like that. We have had people take phrases or lines and imitate them and do their own uh, version. People make all sorts of different comments. They comment on the characters or the setting or the descriptions. Sometimes they write about what they think will happen next. Sometimes they give advice to the characters about what they should be doing. So the response is very much open. It's up to you how you respond to it. But do try and be detailed and exacting in your response. Um, because, of course, Cressida will read these. And if you just write, I thought it was great, that makes uh, the uh, writer feel really good, I suppose. But they don't really know what was great about it. So do try and explain uh, and be detailed and maybe quote from the text. That's very, very oh, helpful. Wow. So real treat coming up, um, Ian, because I know that uh, Russell caught up with um, Cressida mm. and um, has got a great reading for us. Absolutely. This is Cressida Cal, The Wizards of Once. Hello, I'm Cressida Cal, and I am the author and the illustrator of the How to Train Your Dragon books and also the Wizards of Once series. Um, and I'm also at the current Waterstones Children's Laureate. And I'm going to be reading to you today from the first book in the Wizards of Once series, which is set in a world where magic really exists. Yeah, 3,000 years ago at the end of the Bronze Ages when magic really existed. Uh, and it begins with chapter one, A Trap to Catch a Witch. It was a warm night for, for November, too warm a night for witches, or so the story said. Witches were supposed to be extinct, of course, but Tsar had heard about the way they stank, and he imagined that he could smell that now in the quietness of the dark forest. A faint but definite stink of burning hair mixed with long-dead mice and a little kick of viper's venom once smelled, never forgotten. Tsar was a wild young human boy who belonged to the wizard tribe. He was riding on the back of a giant snowcap in a part of the forest so dark and mangled and tangled that it was known as the Badwoods. He should not have been there, for the Badwoods were warrior territory, and if the warriors were to catch him, well, what everyone said was, Tsar would be killed on sight, off with his head, as was the pleasant warrior custom. But Tsar did not look even remotely worried. He was a cheerful, scruff of a boy with a tremendous quiff of hair shooting upwards from his forehead as if he had accidentally come into contact with some invisible, vertical hurricane. The snowcat he was riding was called King Cat, a noble creature which was a giant form of lynx, far too dignified for his cheeky master. King Cat had shining paws so round they looked unreal, fur so deep it was like powder snow, and such a rich silver-grey colour that it was almost blue. The snowcat ran swiftly but softly through the forest, his black-tipped ears swivelling from side to side as he ran, for he was scared, although too proud to show it. 
Only that very morning, Zara's father, Encanto the Enchanter, king of wizards, had reminded everyone that it was forbidden for any wizard to dare set one toe in the bad woods. But Zara was the most disobedient boy in the wizard kingdom in about four generations, and forbidding things only encouraged him. For instance, in the past week, Zara had tied the beards of two of the eldest and most respectable wizards together when they were sleeping at a banquet, he had poured a love potion into the pig's feeding trough, so the pigs developed mad passionate crushes on Zar's least favourite teacher and followed him around wherever he went, making loud, enthusiastic squealing and kissing noises. He had accidentally burned down the, inter- the western trees in Wizard Camp. Most of these things hadn't been entirely intentional, exactly. Zar had just got carried away in the heat of the moment. And yet none of these disobedient things was half as bad as what Zar was doing right now. There was a large black raven flying above Zar's head. This is a very bad idea indeed, Zar, said the raven. The talking raven was called Caliban, and he would have been a handsome bird. But unfortunately, it was his job to keep Zar out of trouble, and the worry of this impossible mission meant his feathers kept falling out. It isn't really fair to lead your animals and sprites and young fellow withers into all this. Yeah, was the son of the king in charter, and a boy with a great deal of personal charisma, Zar had a lot of followers, a pack of five wolves, three snowcats, a bear, eight sprites, an enormous giant called Crusher, and a small crowd of other wizard youngsters, all following Zar as if hypnotised, all shivering and scared and pretending not to be. Oh, you worry too much, Caliban, said Zar, pulling Kankat to a cot halt and jumping off his back. Look at this lovely, pretty little glade here. You see, perfectly safe and exactly the same as the rest of the forest. Zar looked around with breezy satisfaction, as if they'd stopped in a delightful woodland dell, filled, filled with frolicking bunnies and baby deer, rather than a cold, eerie little clearing where the ewes leaned in threateningly and the mistletoe dropped like warlock's tears. The other wizards drew their swords, and the growling snowcat's fur stood up with such, with such fear to such extent that they looked like furry puffballs. The wolves padded restlessly, trying to form a protective circle around their humans. Only the smaller sprites shared Zar's enthusiasm, but that was because they were too young to know any better. I don't know if you've ever seen a sprite, so I'd better describe these ones to you. There were five larger sprites, all faintly resembling a human crossed with a fierce, elegant insect. When irritated or bored, which was often, they blinked on and off like stars and purple smoke drifted out their ears. They were so see-through, you could watch their hearts beating. Then there were three smaller, younger ones, who, because they were not yet adult, um, were known as hairy fairies. Zar's favourite was an eager, slightly stupid little thing called Squeeze Juice. Oh, it's lovely, it's lovely, Squeeze Squeeze Juice. It's the tremendous, loveliest clearing I've ever seen. What's this fuss-interesting flower? Let me guess. It's a buttercup. It's a daisy. It's a gerangalum. It's a cauliflower. He flew into the upper branches of a particularly gloomy and sinister tree and perched on the edge of one of its fleshy flowers, which had ominous spikes on the ends of its leaves and was, in fact, called a sprite-eating hobtrap. The flower snapped shut with the briskness of a mousetrap, capturing.
thing, pour little squeeze juice inside. Caliban landed on Tsar's shoulder and gave a heavy sigh. I don't like to say I told you so, said Caliban, but we've only been in this perfectly safe little clearing in the Badwood for one and half minutes, and you've already lost one of your followers to a carnivorous flower. Nonsense, scolded Tsar naturedly. I haven't lost him. That's the whole point about being a leader. Whenever my followers get into trouble, I rescue them, because that's what a leader does. Tsar climbed the tree, and 200 feet up, swaying precariously on a couple of creaking twig-like boughs, he took out his tacker and popped open the spice-eating hob trap to release a panting little squeeze juice in the nick of time. I'm fine, squeaked squeeze juice. I'm fine. I can't spill my left leg. I'm fine. Don't worry, squeeze juice. That's just the hob traps. The digestive juices. The feeling will return in a couple of hours. Zar called out as he dropped down from the tree. You see, I'm a great leader. Stick with me and you'll be fine. The wizard youngsters looked very thoughtful indeed. There is a fabulous piece of inspiration for a Monday morning. Cressida Cowell there reading from The Wizards of Once. How was that for you, Pi? I loved it. Mm. She obviously is really into that world, isn't she? She yeah. it's almost as if she was eating the words or tasting the words. She was enjoying she was enjoying this magical world with sprites and snow cats so much. Uh, and I could really tell that from the way she was reading it. So I'm writing my response. I love the description of the sprites. Um it was so vivid that I could see them in my mind, especially the little one. I think he was called Squeeze Juice mm-hmm. and was so excited, was just sort of blurting anything out, <laughs> which was rather funny. And uh, I like the way Cressida laughed at that point because she was enjoying the humour of it, um, uh, so much pleasure over the language and the ideas. Now, what we found, those of you who've not been with us before, what we found is when we use the Padlets, often we get very excited about what we've written and forget to do a key thing in writing, which is to reread. So I've written mine down. I'm now going to reread it and double check that it says what I wanted it to say, that I've got my capitals full stops. I've got um, um, all the spellings uh, sorted, etc. So I'm just going to edit it, uh, edit it. I love the description of the spirits. Right, that needs to be changed to sprites, S-P-R-I-T-E-S. It was so vivid that I could see them in my mind, full stop, especially, comma, the little one. Okay, I'm pleased with that. It says what I want it to say, and I just click somewhere other. It now says awaiting approval. So uh, everybody will be writing now. And in order to see these, what you have to do is go to the very, very top of the page where it says radioblogging.net. Look to the right. You can see a semicircle with an arrow. And that is the refresh button. So if you click on that, up will come lots and lots of different responses. What will be happening now Uh, There they are. There's already 20 or 30 is that Deputy Mitchell will be reading everything and working crazily in order to make sure that everybody uh, has been everybody's um, has been checked um, and uh, is okay, And then they will go up. 
Have we got time, um, Ian, for a little bit of a, a musical interlude while people are oh, working on this? Pie, I thought you would never ask. I've got the perfect <laughs> musical interlude. Shout-out's coming up after this, so get one in if you would like to. It's Monday. We're spoiling you this morning, listeners. This is the Banana Splits. This is radioblogging.net. Online radio live blogging. Welcome back to radioblogging.net. This morning it is three minutes to ten. A very, very good morning to you. It is Monday the 1st of June and we are back for another fabulous week. It is Cressida Monday. Hope you enjoyed the banana splits there. Ian Rocky here at the controls this morning. And at the moment we are responding to the reading from Cressida Cowell, the fabulous Cressida Cowell, who has just read for us on radioblogging.net, The Wizard's of once and i would imagine pi that we've got some really good responses already appearing on the padlet am i right we ha- certainly do george i really like how you described the sprites and then a bit of sprite got eaten ha, freya i like how squeeze juice says i'm fine i'm fine not i'm fine yes i like that she's not only doing the voices but she's also adapting the speech to suit the character which helps to bring it all alive and that's something that you have to learn as you go along uh, as a writer toby i like the voices that Cressida uses for characters that she reads particularly the sprite voices my favorite part is yes i like this toby as well it's a buttercup no a daisy no a cauliflower i love that just sort of madly shouting things out um I, oh, I've had that happen in school to me, Ian, when mm. you ask somebody a question like, uh, oh, what punctuation do we need? And they say, uh, a full stop, an exclamation mark. No, no, a question mark. It's just say any old thing. It really makes me laugh when children do that. <laughs> it's just anything, okay, anything sorry, your I'm way. Teacher, yeah. I shouldn't be saying these things. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Freya, a sprite-eating hob trap, question mark. Poor Squeeze Juice. Yes, Squeeze Juice is uh, one of my favourite um, characters uh, in the in that particular story. I like the idea, Edith here, I like the idea of the pigs falling in love with the teacher. Yes, that was one of the naughty things, wasn't it? I nearly played that as a game, us inventing naughty things that could be doing. Didn't he tie two giant's beards together, something or other like that? Yeah. Um, Lots and lots of people have got great uh, uh, questions as well. Things like, uh, do you have a new book on the way? I'm quite sure that Cressida has a new book on the way. It, when you heard her reading, you could tell she's got such a fertile mind. I'm sure her brain is just full of ideas, sometimes possibly too many ideas. Uh, so she's not somebody who is, um, is short of an idea, creative idea. Well, we've got lots of responses there, and I know that Cressida will have a look at those. But if you come out of that, it's now time uh, that we got on ourselves um, with a little bit of writing. So if you come out, you can see where it says live writing task with David uh, and Pi. And so we're now going to have a go at doing this. And um, the main character, Czar, is riding on King Cat. And King Cat is uh, what Cressida calls a snow cat. So she's obviously invented this. And the snow cat is a type of uh, uh, lynx in this world that she's uh, imagined. And a lynx is, is, um, I suppose it's rather like a mixture between a sort of a cheetah. You know, it's a big, big animal and um and an everyday pussycat but they're pretty fierce 
uh, lynxes. So that's what a snow cat looks like. Huge, powerful animal. And we've got a photograph of those. Now, D David, how how do people who don't know what haven't been with us before, how do they use the jock cast? If you could just explain them and then I'll get everybody going with the task. Absolutely, Pa, yes. And we do have a lot of new visitors this morning because I can see in this, we call this a live writing window. In this live writing window, I get to see what people are trying to write into the main window there. And we've had so far, I would say, 50 different children writing in here um, asking what they need to do so new visitors new listeners to the show so like i said i can control what what is seen in this in this uh, live writing window and everything you write will come through me first and i will pr approve it to go into the into the central window that you can see now you can see in the uh, in the middle a picture of the two uh, snow cats if you are in a school you might not be able to see those images. So we've put them just above the window as well. So you can see them there because that's what Pi is going to use for the instructions. And at the bottom of this little writing window, you'll see an orange box where it says add name. You just put your first name in there and your school name. So you can put, you know, David Dash um, Fensby Primary School or whatever, whichever school it is. So we know who you are. And then you have room to write what you are going to write. And that's linked to what the instructions Pi is going to give you. And when you are ready and when you've checked what you've written, you can click send. It will come through to me and I can approve these to go into the window for everyone around the world to see. So no pressure, guys. Um, I want to make sure that you're writing as good as it can be. And Pi will give you some advice on that. And what Pi will do is going to verbally uh, give you some feedback on what you're writing. And so we'll, it's normally very fast paced this. Um, so Pi, over to you uh, if you want to give some instructions and we'll make a start. Okay, so um, I thought because uh, everybody is back, um, uh, well, I say everybody's back, Some everybody's all over the place. I know some people are still at home, some people are back in school, back in year six, so it, it's all uh, a little bit uh, different to normal, but let's press on. Uh, this is something that we've done before, writing descriptive phrases, could be a sentence, but it could just be a phrase, could be an image, could be a simile. Remember the simile you've got like and you've got as, as swift as. Now, we all know as swift as a cheetah. That's a cliche. We've heard it before. We need something new. So we got like and as. So um, what, what could we describe? Uh, well, we've got the eyes. We've got the whiskers. We've got the nose. We've got the ears. We've got the fur. We've got the tail. We've got the clause. So plenty of rich description. Now, you don't have to write a whole sentence. It could just be a phrase. Those of you who were with us a while ago, we did some work on Kennings. Don't forget our friend, the Kennings. That's where you use two words uh, in order to a bit like a riddle in order to say what something is like. So um, uh, in Norse, in Anglo-Saxon times, a sword might be called a skull splitter. So you might say that the cat's eyes um, you might we might call them moon starers. So you could try a kenning uh, if you want. So here we go. And you'll post either sentences, uh, descriptive sentences, words, phrases, ideas, or it might be a sentence from a story. That's fine. Jack Davy comes up with the two cats pounced like kangaroos chasing each other. OK, that's great. Now you can extend that further. And uh, I like the way Sachin has brought in Zar 
from the wizards of once czar stared into the distance the snow prowler buried itself in the deep sludge lovely one i, I like the way that you've got the snow prowler you've used that um kenning there so extend that satchin keep going with the story tail floater lovely little kenning well done eliza emily it it was approaching me it's fur, fur like a cloud its teeth as sharp as a shark's glare i was scared shark's glare just oh, it's a, that's a great great sentence uh, a couple of sentences emily just have a look at shark's glare um uh, that's going to need an apostrophe fast as a rocket okay lottie you're underway i'm going to challenge you with that i've heard that one before now can you come up with a new one as fast as and you've really got to think to come up with something fresh and new fan the snow cat's feet kicked up the snow as they thundered past me great one what did you do then or get some description in Rosie, the whiskers were as thin as invisible string. Lovely idea. Now choose another part of the cat to describe Tilly from Palace Wood. The eyes are as black as the night. The eyes twinkled like the stars. Now, I wonder if you, Tilly, can make that stars idea even stronger. Put in an adjective before the word stars that um, would surprise the reader. Uh, Amelia, soft fur as soft as a rabbit. Yes. Felicia, the whisker as thin as paper. Now, can you mention a type of paper? Is it going to be um, cartridge paper, watercolour paper, rice paper? Mm. Um, don't forget, adults, you can comment as well. Uh, David Mitchell's come in with tail twitcher there. Whiskers, Claire, as sensitive as the hairs on a Venus flytrap. Never seen that before. Love it. Douglas, as silent as snow. Douglas, strengthen that with an adjective to surprise the reader that the reader wouldn't expect for the snow. Eleanor, as silent as a panther. Strengthen that one, Eleanor, in the same way. Jody, the spots were like dark berry stains on the skin. Love it. Totally original. Fantastic. Anastasia, jumping dots. Lovely one, Anastasia. Keep going. Isla, the snow, two snowcats pounded on each other, fighting for the meat. Yeah, great little adventure uh, sentence. Thomas, the icy hunter padded across the snow, as silent as the icy hunter. Nice little Kenning. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Kilgore, for coming in uh, to comment on Sachin's. Um, uh, the majestic snow cat's eyes pierce into you, pierce into yours, showing their power over us. Now, that's interesting, uh, Jessica. I like the way you've repeated pierce in order to strengthen and emphasize. Mr. Walker commenting on roses. Well done. Thank you. Aiden as cute as a dog. Aiden strengthened that by using an unexpected adjective when you get to that dog or name the dog. That would be even better. By naming, I mean, what sort of dog have we got? Is it a Rottweiler? Is it a Poodle? Is it a sausage dog? You know, choose it. Um, Florence, claws as sharp as razor blades. Okay, press on now. Uh, let's get another one in there. The two cats were as silent as water. Nicholas, I love that. But just double check your spelling because you've written where instead of were. And I know you know how to spell where. So just tweak that one. But I love that idea as silent as water. Um, of course, water isn't always silent. So it might be as, as silent as um, pont still. I don't know. You need to just tweak that. Eyes sparkled in the gentle evening night. Hannah, Emily, as soft as blanket. Um, what's the blanket made of? Can you tweak that one, Emily? Erin. The, uh, the cat 
the cat eyes surrounded by the fur that clashed against the fierce cold snow. Lots of great ideas in there. Just there and have a look at the spelling of the word buy. I know you know how to do that. Uh, Sebastian, its eyes were pools of amber. Love it. Jo Joseph, the snow skepper's skin is as soft as a pillow. Now, Joseph, make that image more special by using a surprising adjective for the pillow, um, uh, because I have heard that idea before. So you can make it different. Ah, Bethany is coming in with some uh, well thought through kennings here. The snow cats are snow crunchers, night hunters, stealth masters. Love it. Love stealth masters, Bethany. Really good. Utkasha, the snow cats leap as long as a four meter snake. Oh, you could name that snake anaconda. Sam, fur as dense as the deepest forest. Nice touch of alliteration there. Mr. Walker coming in commenting. Sachin again, the fur ripper hissed and sniffed into the frosty air. Lovely use of the kenning there. Very strong, Sachin. Simi, the cat was as swift as a golden eagle. Mm, now, next sentence, please, Simi. Mrs. James commenting. Rosie, tail flicker. Lovely one. Uh, Rosie, tail flicker. Uh, might need a hyphen between the two words. Uh, Elsie, fur as soft as cloud. Um, Jersey, the cheetah's claws dig into the snow like a fast rocket, as fast as it can. And tail floater, love the idea of tail floater, uh, Jersey. So often, very often, the tails do look a bit like that. Uh, everybody keep going. And I think while we're doing this, because people are writing an enormous amount, have we got time for a little bit of music while um, Ian? What I'm thinking is if everybody keeps going, mm. the adults keep commenting and we could have a little bit of music while everybody's developing their ideas, writing their sentences. Mm. Uh, over to you, Ian. Thank what have you. you. Got for us? Oh, we've got something, something to keep the pace going. Lovely yeah. pace there from Pi. Really fabulous ideas. This is a little bit piece of music to keep us working. This is the Joe 90 theme. Hello, this is SF Said, and you are listening to radioblogging.net. Yes, indeed. And SF Said, of course, was on the show last Wednesday for Radio Blogging Holiday Club, uh, taking questions from listeners. If you haven't yet had a chance to listen to that, go to the All Live Shows tab and you can click on Holiday Club Wishes Wednesday and you can catch up with the show and you can catch up with the activities as well. Some truly wonderful and fabulous work being produced this morning on the Jotcast and on the Padlets as well. Thank Thank you so much everybody for taking part um got a couple of shout outs from me and then i'll take go over to david he's got some as well so emily good morning to you says hi radio blogging i love radio blogging and i am a regular listener i always uh, i also beg your pardon have a mouse in my garden i called it geraldina well thank you so <laughs> very much we love that we love to hear your mouse stories well done to you indeed we've had a text as well please do give a huge, a huge shout out to all the staff and pupils at Westbury Infants back in school today absolutely like so many others as well so thank you very very much indeed for getting in touch Freya's been in touch as well good morning to you she loves a crest cowl and she thinks she is a good author really superb isn't she loving it this morning Isla as well good morning to you and also to Toby uh, Sachi Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Bethany, OMG, Crescent Cow. I am going crazy. I've read all the Wizards of Once series. They are so good. I am such a huge fan. Well done to you, Kirat. Thank you so much. Who's on the third book of the Wizard of Once? Devon as well. And Douglas as well, who'd like a shout out for his friend Otto, who is in his class. David, what have you got? 
Yes, we, we've got a, a Padlet on the um, contact page where people do write shout-outs on there. So if you do want to write a shout-out, please do. We've got some people on here. We've got Freya from Pensby Primary School. I know Pensby Primary School. If it's the one in Birkenhead, I know that school. Um, it's just saying I can't wait for more radio blogging. Cressida Cowell is a great author. Can't wait. Got Bebop, who's six years old. I know Bebop's a great fan of the show. Uh, asking for a shout-out for herself, uh, for Nancy and for Daphne. Got Millie wanting a shout-out, so they've got that Millie. Mrs. Murren has added a shout-out for everyone at Stone with Woodford, uh, ready for a new term of blogging. Uh, Wilford, Wilfred, who's uh, said it's great to be back. He's still at home, not at school today, which is, which is great. Um, we have uh, Isla. Um, who's just asking the questions about whether we are announcing the winners of the competition. There is something coming up about that today, Isla, so stay tuned. Um, and many more coming through, so we may come back to these, uh, Ian. Uh, but we've got loads coming through for those. Wonderful. David, thank you so very much indeed. Well, with the time at 15 minutes past 10, it is now time, Pi, to move on because uh, Russell had a, an interview with Cressida, didn't he? Uh, yes, absolutely. But just before we do that, mm. uh, that was a really fast-paced um, bit of jock casting, l- rich with ideas. And there are two things that I really liked about um, what we've done today. One is we are uh, beginning to use the kennings. In other words, we were taught something and now we're having a go at threading it into our writing. That is a good step forwards for us. And the other thing is some of the children have started commenting on each other. So do do that. Comment on each other's. It's not just for the adults. The reason partly is that uh, it's good for everybody to get a comment. Everyone likes to get a comment and feel supported. But also we learn from each other. So reading each other's writing and commenting is a generous thing to do. But we learn a lot from it. And it's still carrying on now. But really, we do need to hear Cressida's interview when Russell caught up with her and was um, asking her about um, her writing process and ideas and notebooks. Thank you very much. Oh, oh, sorry. Yes, I I know. I didn't know where to stop. Oh, bless you. I thought I was going to say, you can, don't let me interrupt. I'm, it's fascinating. I mean, is that okay for you? That's, (laughs) that's more than I thought you'd ever get from you. Thank you so much. You know, I'll read as long as you like. I just, (laughs) well, I I didn't know whether I was going on too long or how much you wanted. I thought I'll just give a little pause. And if you want to. Oh, bless. I've jumped in. Well, that, that was, that was enough for you. Let's say thank thank you so much. That's very nice. We don't want to give the whole book away, for goodness sake. We want them to go and buy it afterwards. Amazing. Thank you so much. That was more uh, delightful. A splendid reading. Thank you. Um, our listeners are very keen to understand um, how you form your characters. Where do you get your ideas from, Cressida? Well, it may sound very unlikely, but actually I get most of my ideas from real life. Okay, so... Um, the House Train Your Dragon books, which were later made into wonderful DreamWorks movies. I was so lucky, the animated movies. Um, it may sound very unlikely because they're about dragons, but they were inspired by my childhood. Um, I grew up in London in a house without a garden um, because that's where my dad's job was. But my dad was a mad keen bird watcher. He was chairman of the RSPB, you know, which looks after birds. He was an environmentalist. Um, and later on, after he retired, he was chairman of Kew Gardens. Um, and what that meant was that every year, from when I was a baby, we would be dropped off on this uninhabited island off the west coast of Scotland and picked up again two weeks later. 
And there was nothing on the island. There was no houses, no um, electricity, no roads, no Tesco's, no supermarkets. You know, absolutely no way of contacting the outside world if something went wrong. Yeah, we'd be picked up, picked, uh, dropped off by a local boatman and picked up again two weeks later. So an incredible um, experience for a child. Um, and this was in Scotland. So that was the first place the Vikings came to when they invaded Great Britain. And it was the last place they left. So real Vikings would have let, lived on that island once upon a time. Um, and by the time I was nine, my dad had a house built on the island. And then we spent the whole summer there. So we weren't just there for camping. We were then, but we were still in a house with no television, <laughs> no phone. And so I, that was then, you know, I spent my time um, climbing in the caves and, and I read up about all the stories from those local islands. And a lot of the stories were about dragons because Vikings believed that dragons really existed. Yeah, they thought they were real creatures. And so um, I used to go climbing in the cave looking for dragons. And because there was no television, <laughs> I used to make up a lot of stories about Vikings and dragons. So House Training Dragon was directly inspired by my childhood there. And The Wizards of Once that um, I've just read um, the reading from was inspired by uh, my, um, where, where I, near where my grandmother grew up in Sussex. Um, where there were all these stories about fairies. There was a hill nearby called Fairy Hill and stories about giants. So it was, it was, it was, um, it, it was stories that were from that countryside that I, that I grew up in um, and played in as a child. Very oh, lucky. Amazing. I feel we've had a, a peek into the life. I, this, that stuff I didn't know. Bless you. That's so kind. Um, yeah. Oh, I thought we were going to another. I, I mean, I think it's interesting. <laughs> yes. Shall I just say, yes, I, I think it's, it's interesting. You know, the British Isles are full of stories. Yes. I mean, and as soon as you start investigating, as soon as you start looking up, um, the countryside around you, you will find out so many st stories embedded in that landscape. Um, and so I do a lot of looking up on the internet and looking in libraries and, and finding out about people's beliefs um, from long ago. And that will give me ideas for stories. And I will discover, for instance, that peoples of the past believed that magic was allergic to iron. Um, and so they used to hang iron horseshoes outside their houses and things. And that gives me an idea for a story. I think, oh, what if in my story, the magic really is allergic to iron? And so when the iron warriors come, come the magic can't fight back. So you see how doing research can give ideas for stories, looking things up. Please, can you tell us a little bit about your notebook? Do you have such a thing? Do you record your thoughts before you start writing? Yes, I always keep a notebook. I, um, I, I, I always encourage children to do that as well. Because um, you always think you'll remember your ideas, you'll remember your stories, but keep a special book where you write down all your ideas and do little drawings in and maybe make up little characters. I used to do that when I was a kid and I'm still doing that now. And I think um, so many writers do that, this and, and, and film directors and, um, and and that's that's where I that's where every book started in a big notebook. And I put in you know I, I put in little um, little bits of information. I might put in a photo of an insect that inspired some sprite. Something you know the little sprites I was I was mm. talking about in in the reading were often inspired by insects. 
And so I'll do lots of research and I'll scribble everything down and put it in a notebook. And I encourage children to do this because I think a lot of time at school, um, it's all about your handwriting or your spelling. And, mm-hmm. and I encourage children to have a, yeah, to have a notebook where it's not, it doesn't matter about the spelling. It doesn't matter about the handwriting. It's all about your ideas and things that you think are fun. So if you want to, you know, draw, draw your own little cartoon or your own little animation or your own cartoon strip or design your own game, you know, your own computer game, you know, have a, have a little book notebook in which you put all your creative ideas uh, because you never know where they, these ideas are going to go. And some of the notebooks I have from when I was little, I'm drawing... Um, I, I had a lovely teacher in year three called Miss Mellows. Thank you, Miss Mellows, because she let me have an, a notebook where the handwriting and the spelling didn't matter. And she just, I just was writing stories, one special book where I did that. And I look back and in one of those books, I'm drawing the sprites that then turned into, you know, later on, turned mm. into my Wizards of Once books. So... I say to children, you know, keep a note, you know, who knows where these ideas that you have when you're nine, where they may go. Oh, you're amazing. In other books I was talking about, yeah, in other books I was writing about dragons and look, you know, these little scribbles that I was doing and I say to children, my handwriting was not good, my spelling was not good, you know, but I was drawing the dragons back then that then were turned into books and then turned into all these DreamWorks movies, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah. Well, so that's amazing. It, these things start somewhere. I know, on an island. Oh, my goodness. That's just fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you yeah. so much for your time and for your splendid reading. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, Cressida, thank you so much for joining us. We've really enjoyed that. Thank you. It was really enjoyable. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, I'm Cressida Cow, and I'm the author and the illustrator of the How to Train Your Dragon books and the Wizards of Once series, and I'm the Waterstones Children's Laureate, and you are listening to radioblogging.net. Fabulous interview, Pie, wasn't it? It was, right? And again, you can hear that she is she's bubbling with enthusiasm, the ideas are flowing, uh, and also, Ian, this whole business that we've found with almost all our authors the importance of the notebook the importance Mm. of research and this is the notebook that we keep talking about where um all these ideas i I can see sachin just put up a couple of kennings prey pouncer gory dribbler you know that needs jotting down somewhere because it may be useful it could be turned into a whole poem by making a list or it might just be uh, um uh stored away for future use Marvellous stuff. Um, I'm going to listen to that one again uh, later on because, of course, all our shows are stored so they can be listened to and added on to later on. We now come to the um, uh, bit where we go to activity two. So those of you who have not been with us before, underneath where the Jotcast is, where we've all just been writing, it says activity two and there's an orange uh, rectangle that says information report. Click on that. And in we go. And I thought this time as the big challenge that we would have um, a um, we would do an information report uh, rather like if you looked in in on online encyclopedia uh, about um, sprites or snow cats. So snow cats are the they're, they're a bit like the lynxes, but it's part of her imaginary world. So you can invent things about snow cats. I think the one that Zara's riding on is called King Cat. 
uh, or sprites. And I decided I'd write about sp- uh, the forest sprite. And um, I had this idea, Ian, that um, we we could have different sorts of sprites. Mm. You could have a stone sprite or a mountain sprite or a sea sprite or a forest sprite. Some of them are miniature ones and some of them are um, a rainbow sprite. That would be a lovely one to do. All sorts of different types. I've gone for forest sprites. So what I'll do is I'll read it through. And then uh, the challenge is, and if you go below where my writing is, you can see there where you put your title and you put your name and you write your report. I think it's best if you're in school or at home, I would always suggest write this out in your notebook. First of all, craft it, edit it, read it aloud, double check it and then blog it uh, and make sure that it's as good as it can possibly be. And then if you go all the way below, there's a bit there about where you can perform your writing. And we like to start the next show. So tomorrow morning, we'd like to start with um, an information report that you've made up about a sprite or a snow cat. Okay, I'll read mine, the forest sprite. Forest sprites are a type of sprite that is rarely, ah, that should be, that are very rarely seen. So I know, David, you're listening and probably nimble as a ferret, you'll be able to edit that. And doesn't it show how we need to read things uh, aloud? Forest sprites are a type of sprite that are very rarely seen because they're such shy creatures. They're extremely good at camouflage and many people have never seen one. However, during the recent lockdown, these beautiful shy creatures have become bolder and some have been sighted in parks and gardens. Would you be able to recognize a forest sprite if you stumbled across one? Like most sprites, they are small as a wren and move very rapidly. This makes it hard for them to be seen. They have the ability to change colour, blending into their background. This is why they have often been referred to as chameleon sprites. Forest sprites are flimsy creatures, often very thin, and have wings that are virtually transparent. Their tiny bodies are are slender and may appear when moving rather like a thin piece of smoke or silk moving between trees. Up close, you can see their tiny faces and pointed ears and very bright eyes. Forest sprites live in wooded areas. They cling to trees, hide under bushes and gather in reedy areas. This makes them almost impossible to see. They change colour, shifting easily from shades of green to brown when they're against the trunk of a tree. They often fly in shadows. This means that they're impossible for most humans to identify. Some have been sighted in gardens where there is little disturbance from humans. These delicate creatures feed on plants, fruits and vegetables. They're especially fond of strawberries and if they eat too many will turn an alarming red colour. They like to help gardeners by pollinating plants when the bees become overworked. In fact, many gardeners call forest sprites their handy helpers. To relax, forest sprites play hide and seek in wooded areas. Younger ones play kiss chase, riding on the backs of dragonflies. Older sprites sit on branches, waiting, sorry, watching the world pass by whilst playing simple card games and chess using carved acorns. They do not mix with other types of sprite and positively dislike stone and mountain sprites, considering them to be vulgar. Forest sprites are gentle creatures, but live in fear of hawks, herons and squirrels, as they've been known to grab sprites when hungry. For this reason, groups of sprites have been known to attack birds' nests and squirrels' drays, pulling them down. If you are gentle in your approach and keep very still in a wooded glade, you may be lucky enough to watch these wonderful creatures dancing together as the cuckoo calls in spring or when moonlight strikes on a fairy's ring. 
Once in a thousand days, they can offer a wish to a chosen mortal. So always ensure that you care for trees. Rumour has it that forest sprites are really the souls of trees and so must be taken care of. Imagine a world with no trees. So that is my information report. And if you look at um, I know everybody will have been taught how to write reports. If you look at it, you can see the structure. So my first paragraph is an introduction. My second one is what does it look like? The third one is where do they live? Habitat. The fourth is what do they eat? Diet. And then I've got a whole um, paragraph on relaxing. What, what do they do when they relax? Uh, then I went down to um, what they are afraid of. Uh, and then the last paragraph sort of brings it all together, really, uh, and is a rounding off um, piece uh, for the reader. Now, as I was reading it, I could see one or two places where I've done repetitions, etc. This needs further work uh, by myself. And that's, again, it's why it's so important to read it. But, David, once everybody's got their piece as good as it can be, it can be blogged. But there's also this opportunity, isn't there, for it to be recorded. Can you talk us through the extension task and recording um, the uh, piece of writing they've done. I can indeed, yes. And for those who are listening for the first time today, um, what we tend to do when we start a new show, and this will be tomorrow, is open with a few examples of your audios, some of your voices, as you've recorded some of these. So as you've followed the instructions and you have crafted your piece of writing and you've blogged it and it goes on to the blog, there is a place where all your blog posts are held. We've had thousands and thousands and thousands of blog posts submitted, and these blog posts can get comments as well. If you head up to the top and have a look after the show where it says listeners' posts, that's where your posts go. But you have this chance on this page, once you've written it, to read it out and perform it. And there is a little player underneath the writing Pi has written, uh, where it says extension task. It says how to create your audio post-it note. And there's you play that. It's about 40 seconds long, and it just has some instructions to follow. And if you follow those instructions, you can then add your performance of your writing um, onto the Padlet there below. And if you, there are hundreds on there. So if you want to go and have a listen to, to a few, can do. Um, practice and practice your uh, reading before you have a go. And you can edit it, you can play it back, you can listen to it again, start it again, entirely up to you um, using that player. Um, so that's how to do it. And we, we love hearing these, don't we, Pi, when, when we start the show? Oh, yes, it's fantastic. Now, as that's quite a long piece of writing, it might be that you decide that you're going to record maybe uh, your opening paragraph and the description, maybe the third paragraph. You want about a minute's uh, worth of recording as it might be a couple of paragraphs um, up to you uh, practice your paragraph practice your reading uh, so that when you come to actually record it you're really really pre pleased with it we often say don't we david be brave have mm. a go be brave uh, at doing it and we'll start tomorrow with one or two of those well um we are now almost in at the end of the show aren't we and uh, mm. just before we stop we had the competition winner. Now, there were lots and lots of entries. And in a way, I don't like competitions. Um, and I'll tell you why. Because um, it's, writing is not about a competition. It's about having the pleasure of creating, of making something new. And that, that the pleasure that we get from doing that and creating something that an hour ago wasn't there. We brought into being 
a story. But nonetheless, um, people get encouraged by these things. And uh, we had lots and lots um, of entries. And the one that we have chosen out uh, is quite an extended and adventurous piece of writing by Jenny. And I'm going to read the this final piece. Um, and that will take us round to about 10.40 if you're sitting here waiting for break time. So this is Jenny's writing. I could hear the engines clanging, shattering the silence and cutting into the corners that no light will ever reach. The places I like to hide from my captors. I wish this had never happened. It was just one foolish move. and Within a week, I was found and taken prisoner. I wish I had fallen to my death. Then this would have never happened. Then the world would still have hope. They would choose another wind bird and the story would just go on again. I could smell the scent of oil dripping onto the rough tile floor and streaming down the stairs like a river of coal dust mixed with piping hot water, creating a flow of black lava. I could feel the shake of the ship as it whirred through the sky, but then something went wrong. I felt the ship swerve and a bang broke the calm. I could hear the crew shouting above me. I looked out of my small circular window at the scene before me. We were falling. I could see the clouds rushing upwards as we plummeted to the ground. I heard the crash like an erupting volcano and felt the tear of metal ripping as if it had been caught in a branch or something. I jumped round and saw the rip. It was in my cabin, or more like my prison. I didn't stop. I ran. I ran out of the smoking ship. I ran till I could run no more. I ran as if I could see a ghost suck out someone's soul, leaving a husk, a zombie, and it had now turned towards me. I felt the branches scratch at my face and tangle on my ankles, making me trip and stumble. I knew I had to get away. I felt a vine grab my arm and pull me into the bush. I fell in. I wasn't alone. There was a shadow of a girl on the other side of, well, what shall I call it? It was hollowed out to make some sort of room or den. You're the wind bird, aren't you? Said a voice in the silence. How did they know who I was? How did they know my name? I knew nothing, yet they probably knew everything possible about me. Maybe things even I didn't know. I really was an open book. Yes, I am was all I said in the end as I heard the crew rush past, calling out for more search parties. My name is Dark, she whispered as she turned around to face me. Her hair was as dark as the moonlit sky above me, her eyes like a wolf staring at me, into me, even through me. There was a small mark on her cheek, a bird's wing. I knew what she was. She was a sky forest elf. I saw the moon glowing like a carpet of frost up in the sky, scattered with stars like shards of broken glass from a goblet that had split, spilt purple juice staining the sky with a galaxy of lights. As clouds like balls of black fur blew across the sky like they do in the desert of dark sand, I could hear the song of the birds singing a lullaby to their children. It was quiet, almost too quiet until the scream shattered the silence. Not human, not animal, well, not quite. I ran out of the bushes. I had to stop it. I had to help whatever it was. That scream was filled with fear. It was filled with hurt. I burst through into a clearing, and there in the middle, shining in the dappled moonlight, in a trap of grass and twigs, was a pearl-white baby dragon. I stumbled, tired and out of breath, as I struggled with the knots. Finally, I got them undone and pulled out the dragon. 
I placed it in my arm, now silent, now laying its head on my chest. I headed back. When I got there, Dark had started a fire. She only slightly looked up and caught my eye, but I could tell what she meant to say. Really? Tomorrow I'll take you to the town, she said instead. We ate our dinner of some sort of cooked roots in a thin stew that tasted like potatoes and fell asleep on the surprisingly soft bed of leaves. The dragon that I had named Rain snugly curled up by my head. I woke with a start at the break of dawn, confused until I remembered I was no longer a prisoner on the air rider. The birds sang the most beautiful song I had ever heard. Nothing else would dare to move except for Rain. He was already rolling around playing with the leaves that had been scattered by the trees, swaying arms, dancing in the cool morning breeze. I heard Dark stir and say, let's get going. We ate a hurried breakfast of yesterday's leftovers and headed into the forest, not knowing the danger that awaited us. And that is the end of the story that won the competition. And I think you can all hear why we all chose it unanimously as being the most adventurous, the most creative, the most imaginative uh, um, story that really built a special world. Marvellous piece of writing. So exciting. Well, Ian, we've had an enormous session today, haven't mm. we, with the wonderful Cressida Cal. Everybody has worked so hard with their writing. Jot things down, jot ideas down. Save it up in your notebook, because tomorrow we had the fabulous Julia Green with a wonderful, deep, rich um, story that is interestingly, um, and I'll talk more about this tomorrow, but is interestingly hinges around a scenario where there is a disease in the land and things have changed. So it's rather like the situation we find ourselves in. And I'm really looking forward to that. Ian, I think yeah. it's time to wrap things up. It is. Pi, thank you so much. And what a beautiful reading that was. Huge congratulations to Jenny. What a treat to have your story read there by the fabulous Pi Corbett. Thank you, Pi, very much indeed for a lovely show this morning. David, any final shout outs from you? Here we have just a few. Yes, I've got uh, George from Warren Road. I know Warren Road are uh, good fans of ours for the show, aren't they? So George in Class 5A, working uh, from home, says, please may I have a shout out. There you go, George. We have Felix also uh, from Warren Road looking for a shout out to you. And also Mrs. Hollis, who's from Bispen Drive Junior, who's watching all the comments from the children from her home there. Wants a big shout out and hello to all of them. So great, great to see people getting involved uh, back to you uh, Ian. Thank you very much indeed David. It's been a fabulous show this morning. Just a couple from me before we finish. Uh, Julie has been in touch on the email this morning. Uh, one says well done to Olivia for keeping up with radio blogging even though Big Sister has gone back to school as year six. Keep up the good work. Also James has been in touch uh, and says he's got a mouse in his house and it changes colour but it's a computer mouse. Please can my sister Amelia have a shout out. It was her ninth birthday yesterday of course indeed and of course Lorraine Harrison says thank you Cressida for years. I've been encouraging schools to let children have writing journals that they can write in freely. Children love them and it helps them see themselves as writers. An inspirational interview. Thanks. I think it's been an inspirational show this morning. So much richness and so much quality. And if you've enjoyed today 
um, please do consider our GoFundMe page. But I would like to say on behalf of the entire team, an enormous thank you to everybody who has been kind enough and generous enough to support us so far in our radio blogging journey. It's been a wonderful show. Thank you so much to Deputy Mitchell. Thank you so much to Pi Corbett. And also thank you so much to you, the listener, as well, for joining us this morning. We will be back tomorrow uh, 9.30 again with another radioblogging.net extravaganza. But for now, coming up to 17 minutes to 11 o'clock, my name's Ian Rocky. Thank you so much for listening. Back tomorrow. Take care. All the best. Bye for now. Yo, yo, what up? This is Lunch Money Lewis. Hey, I'm John Newman. Hey, what's up? This is Fergie Ferg. Woo! Keep this frequency clear. A children's radio blogging show broadcast into homes and schools across the world. Join Pi Corbett, Russell Prue, Ian Rocky, and David Mitchell live each weekday at 9.30 a.m. Online radio live blogging. This is radioblogging.net. Hey.